Well, hello, this is Tim Marr, and this is Failing Up. Thank you, Jungle Jim, for that wonderful, wonderful musical introduction. Oh, my goodness, you just set the tone. You just set the tone, the ambiance, the whole flavor of tonight's podcast with those magical fingers striking those keyboards on that electronic synthesizer. So many sounds he coordinates together. Right over there in the corner, there's Jungle Jim sitting over there in the corner behind his synthesizer with the pint glass out, just waiting for me to throw a dollar bill in, a tip. My name is Jim, I'm the piano man. I get my drinks for free. That's right, Jimmy, you're the piano man. Jungle Jim over there, wearing his Boston Celtics jersey, a little uh, depressed after last night's Boston Celtics, Boston, Boston, what am I saying? Boston Celtics game, but the Celtics, they'll be back. They'll, I'm actually rooting for them myself. I want to see the Celtics take it all the way this year. Um, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. This is Tim Marr. This is Failing Up. That's right, Failing Up, being recorded in the basement studio located on the shore of the mighty Seneca River flowing north, one of only two rivers, I believe, in the continental United States of America that flows north, flowing north into that great Oswego River, then feeding the mighty Great Lake of Ontario. The smallest of the Great Lakes, but a beautiful lake, inland ocean. If you're on Lake Ontario out in the middle, you cannot see land. But if you make a right, you're going to go past 1,000 islands on the magnificent St. Lawrence Seaway, which is all geared up and busy now for the summer. Don't forget, you get some big, huge cargo ships coming down there on the St. Lawrence Seaway going back and forth, because the St. Lawrence Seaway takes you right out to the Atlantic Ocean and anywhere you want to go in the entire world, just like my voice is right now. Or if you make a left, you're going to find yourself going right on over to Buffalo. Buffalo. Our hearts go out to Buffalo. Strong Buffalo. Tragic event in Buffalo. You know, I think the only, well, there's a lot of ways to frame it up, but just a hateful massacre. Hateful massacre in Buffalo, New York. Hate, hate, hate. Ignorance and hate just reels its ugly head in yet another shooting. And I just, I just hope we're not anesthetized by these because it's the same stuff after it. You know, the president visits with people talk about how we have to change and the cause, but it just keeps happening. It's just in many ways becomes has become an acceptable for some sick individuals a way to express themselves. I mean, to think that somebody has that much hate where they would go and shoot 10 people. And what is it with these freaks? What is it with these freaks when they go and do that? They, they put themselves in all this heavy combat gear, like they're going to war, you know? They put themselves in this heavy, heavy combat gear, like, oh, I'm going to war. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in a big fight. I'm, I'm a big boy. You know what? You're a wuss because you're not going to go to war putting all that heavy combat gear, and at the end of the day, you either blow your brains out or you surrender. What a courageous individual that security officer was, retired police officer who exchanged fire with the freak. Hit him, but unfortunately, due to that protective gear, he wasn't able to take him down, but then that freak killed that hero. Horrible, 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 horrible. You know, every life, every single life, is so precious onto itself. And then every single life is precious for the ripples, the ripples of that life and all the individuals that that life has touched in so many ways. And the closer 
the closer to the to the individual, the larger the ripple. It's just like a ripple in the pond, just like a ripple in a, in a pond when it comes to to life. You know, the power and the beauty as the stone goes in. That's your life, your soul, your energy. And then as each ripple goes out, it touches someone. And it may touch them. Those that are closest get the biggest ripple. And those that, you know, are a little farther out get the littlest ripple. But those ripples go and go and go and touch so many people. One life. So one life with hundreds of ripples. And then you multiply that by 10. You know, 500,000 ripples just out there. Death. Man, I'll tell you, just a tragic, tragic, you know, all the families, all the friends, all the co-workers, all the people who just were greeted by a smile by one of those individuals, all the people who, you know, who those individuals just made the world a little bit of a better place. All of them, you know, affected by that sick freak. Death unto itself. Death itself is such a, a, uh, I don't even know how you do, you know, it's something, you know, in life, in life, I'm not on a lecture right now, but there's, you know, we live, we get born, you know, two great events, there's two great events in our life, two great events, two, two major bookend things happen in the life of a human being, two, two major, everything else in between is in between, and it can, it, that can vary, you know, that can vary from, you know, being famous and rich and, and having a great career and a great family to being homeless and poor and broke to being in jail to do all other kind you know that that can, that can go in a whole slew of directions that in between but the two major events are birth birth and death and the thing is you don't really know that you're getting born i mean i don't remember i don't remember hanging out in the you know in the uterus and thinking it's time i'm going to be born but you sure know when you're born i mean you know that Something happened because now everything is new. You know, everything is new and everything's kind of cool, but it's not always cool, but it's everything's, but you're born. That's like the big thing. That's big, you know, well, number one. Then number two is death. And everybody, everybody is going to die. Hopefully after living a long, prosper, you know, just a long, fulfilling life, but, you know, we're going to die. It's going to happen. And loved ones are going to die. It happens. And every time, every time someone, you know, uh, dies, every time we lose someone, I, I thought like that when you said we lose someone, because you do. When someone dies, it's so, well, you know, Tim, it's so permanent when someone dies. When someone dies, you know, it's the end. And, and you really feel it's the end of a life. I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but you just feel like you you actually, well, first you feel your own mortality, but then you also, you know, you also kind of like, you know, wow, that's that person's life. No matter how long, my father died young at 55. You know, people have died. I had a friend who was, who died tragically in a horrible death in his 30, early 30, another one in his 40s. And that's it. You know, that's it. Boom, boom. Zero to 40, zero to whatever, and it's done. It's over. It's over here, at least. So what, what, what happens to us folks that are here that, 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 
that that individual touched, what happens to us? Well, we mourn. We mourn and we support those that, um, you know, that, that, that are really, you know, hurting in many ways. We, we support them in any way that we can. We, we share a love. We share a community. And then there's all these, you know, like some people say, well, you know, time, time will help. Time does not help. Let me tell you something. Time does not help because when someone dies, um, it's like it's like we're mosaics, I think. I think we're a mosaic, you know. And our mosaics are made up of all the people and all the experiences that we have to whatever point we get to. Whatever point we get to, um, that's what we are. We're a mosaic. And, and each time someone in that mosaic who built us or, or, or taught us or hurt us is taken away, that doesn't get refilled. You know, it doesn't, you know, time, time does not heal it. You always will miss that. I always miss my parents. I always miss my dear friends and loved ones, godfathers and God, you know, because that, what is taken away is, 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 is that individual, but their, their energy, I don't know what you want to call it, but they're gone, you know? And it's interesting because you might not see somebody for, like, I have friends I haven't seen, I guess they're for acquaintances now. I guess, I guess there must be a time where you go from a friend to an acquaintance. So I used to hang out with these guys a lot, you know, and now I barely ever see them. So I guess they've gone from old, friends I used to, old friends, call them old friends. And um, some of them I haven't seen in years, years. But yet, if I heard that one of them had died, I would still feel a loss. I haven't seen them in years. Some of them I haven't seen in 10 years, maybe even longer. But yet if I heard one of them died, I would feel sad. I would feel a loss because they were a part of me and I was a part of them in some way. In some way, we shared a life in one moment, in one time or, or whatever. And then with them gone, that peace is gone. When you lose a parent, it's just, or a grandparent, it is just devastating. Devastating that the people who brought you in or the guardians that looked after you, whomever, are gone. It leaves a void, man. And people say, well, in time, in time, the pain, no, it doesn't. You know, it's like a cut. You know, you get cut and it's sharp and it's painful. And in time, all right, the cut goes away and the sharp pain goes away. But you still have the dull pain and the scar. You still have the dull pain and a scar. You know, and sometimes out of the blue, you might hear a song. You might smell something. You might see a car go by. Somebody might say something and you'll just cry. Even after 30 something years, because it brings that person right back. And they're always there. The love, it's true. It is true when they say the love always remains. That love doesn't die. The love stays. When the person goes, but you always miss that person. You're always going to miss that person. That That's always going to be there. You know, it sucks, but it's reality. But it's a celebration, too, because it just, it just reminds us how important they were to us and how much they impacted our lives, not just our lives, but everybody's life who they came in contact with. What a gift to have had those individuals in our lives. What a, what a gift, isn't it? Oh, my goodness gracious. But we know what's going to happen, and we know what's going to happen to us. You know you're going to die. You know, you were born. So the second you were born, you're going to die. Isn't that wild if you think about it? If you live a long life, the second you were born, you know, you say you reach, 
you know, you grow, you grow, your body's growing. If you're lucky, you're eating good, depending where you are, you know, in some areas you're not, you know, and, and you're starting to, you know, eat. And by the time you're like 19, you're done growing. By the time you're 19, you're done growing. I'm going to say 20. Okay. You're done. Your body's full bore. It's right there. Now, what do you do? You start deteriorating. So you got from zero to 20, we'll say, where you're growing. And if you really exercise and probably take care of yourself, but then you start deteriorating. 21 down, man, you're going down. You're not the same person at 30 as you were at 20 or at 40 as you were at 20. or you know, You're going down quick. And you know where you're going. You're going to die. We're all going to be, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, it's going to happen. So once you realize, man, I'm going to die, what really becomes, I remember my father on his deathbed, my father on his deathbed, my father and I, uh, my father was diagnosed with cancer and had lived about nine months afterwards, you know, and it was a sad, you know, horrible, sad, sad, but it was also beautiful because we had a time, nine months to just really spend together and really, you know, share the way that we never would have otherwise. And uh, my father said to me, really close before his death, he said, you know what, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're cool and it doesn't, you, well, was, whoa, what did I do? It doesn't, whoa, there you go. Yeah, that's getting a little loud there, boy. Here you go. It doesn't matter if you're cool or it doesn't matter if you're, um, uh, you know, famous or rich. None of that matters. And you hear that, you know, you, you hear that from people, you know, you hear that from people saying, oh, you know, uh, you know, it really doesn't matter what, what's important. Remember what's important. Well, first of all, when you're, when you're dying, your health is important. But then you have to say, what's really important? And he said, all that's important to him at that moment, he says, is family. All that's important to me right now is family. I don't care. I don't care. Rich, fame, whatever else. Being cool. He said, all that's important. That always stuck with me. Family. You know, and I thought to myself... When you're laying, and there I was my father, 55 years old, on his deathbed, saying that to me, big man, funny guy. And, and I thought to myself the other day as I'm cutting the grass, got to cut, God, you got to cut, you have to cut the grass. It's spring and the grass has grown. And if you don't cut the grass, the neighbors are going to look at you kind of bad. So I'm out there cutting the grass. You know, it's going to take me an hour to cut the grass, pushing the mower, daydreaming, and I'm thinking, what a waste of time, you know, cutting the grass. If I came from another planet and I said, and I saw these people, first of all, I saw this, this, you know, and this is in our part of the world. You know, this isn't in, in uh, other parts of the world. So in our part of the world, cutting grass, grass is very important. Grass is, is a really important status symbol in our part of the world, especially if you're in certain geographic regions in the United States of America, where, you know, from May to October, you become obsessed with the lawn. You fertilize it. So, it, you know, first of all, you plant it. Then you fertilize it so it grows. You want it to grow really thick and fast. Then you got to cut it. So then you got to cut. You do all this stuff and just to grow grass that you can't even smoke. And then you got to cut it. And then you bitch about cutting it. Oh, I got to go cut the freaking lawn. I can't believe I got to go cut the grass. So you complain about cutting the grass, which could, which can, and depending on the size of your lawn, it take anywhere from a half hour, 15 minutes to three hours. But three hours, once a week, you're out there cutting the grass, which has no purpose at all. You don't eat it. You don't sell it. 
You don't build with it. You don't wear it. You're just cutting this stuff. Not only do you cut the grass, you got to mulch it or rake it up so the dead stuff doesn't stick around. So you, you grow this stuff. You know, you grow it so it grows fast and thick, and then you got to cut it. So you take two hours out of your life to cut it, this grass. And what grass is in certain parts of the of the country, of the United States of America, especially, you know, in, in like regions, it's a status symbol. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Look at their lawn. What a beautiful lawn. What? Oh, my God. What a beautiful lawn. That is just an incredible. That is an incredible. Oh, it is so green and thick. Oh, my God. I... So if you don't know what to say and you pull up to somebody, I love your lawn. I, lo I, I just love it. I love your lawn. That means people are got their shit together. If you have a nice lawn, then they assume you have your shit together. I look at it the other way. If you're taking time, all that time, to get a nice lawn, you just got time on your hands. You know, who cares? Who really cares? Unless you're playing golf where it's part of the game or football or baseball or whatever other sport is playing on grass cricket. Who really gives a hang what your grass looks like? And I'll tell you, I don't, you know, in the summertime, people water their grass so it keeps growing. My God, I can't have the lawn die and turn brown. I say, my God, I don't care if my whole freaking lawn burns because I don't have to cut it. I don't have to cut the stupid lawn because you're compared to the neighbors. Oh, you got a crab. So what? What do I care? Dandelions are pretty. That's another. In the spring, your yard gets filled with these dandelions, these beautiful yellow little dandelions. They're called a weed, so everybody gets rid of them. They're beautiful dandelions. Imagine that. Driving by and seeing a yard just full of yellow. But no, they're weeds, so they're ugly. We've got to get rid of them. A weed killer will get rid of them. A weed killer will get rid of everything else. So spending your life cutting the grass. And if you don't want to cut it yourself, you can pay someone a bazillion dollars, and they'll come to your house, and they'll cut your grass, you lazy ass. You're the one. They'll fertilize it. They'll grow it. They'll make it grow fast. Of course, they're going to make it grow as fast and as thick as they can because they're making money off it. They want that lawn to grow, 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 so they can make more, 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 more money. Yeah. You know, what, what, what are you? Know, if I'm on my deathbed, am I going to give a shit about my lawn? You know, if I'm on my deathbed, am I going to care if my car's clean? That's another thing. Washing the car. Am I going to care about washing the car on my deathbed? First thing, and again, in certain parts of the country, you wash your car and it doesn't last long. You know, you pay 25 bucks to get a car wash. Nice, you know, detail, they call it, on a Monday. You drive it out, and by Wednesday, it's going to be all mud again. It's going to be all dirt again. It's going to rain, or it's going to snow. Do I, you know, washing the car? Get, you know, give me a car that just gets from A to B, and I know it's going to start. I don't care if it's dirty or not. I could care less. Don't leave milk inside so it stinks, and don't smoke in it. But washing the car, what a waste of time, washing the car. You know? Maybe clean it off so it doesn't get on your clothes. But you know what? That's what rain is for. Rain will wash a car. I never, ever, 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 very seldom, so I won't say ever, wash the car. If I get bored, I might take it through a quick car wash for like four bucks. I bet you I spend seven bucks a year washing it, $14 a year washing the car. That's like, you know, washing. Is that going to be important when I'm laying there dying, wanting a couple more years to be with my washing the car? You know, the other week I was thinking about, hey, Dad, can you, uh, can you oh, I got I to dust. I got it, son, son, I have to dust. I have to dust. I don't have time for that. Oh, I got to cut the grass, son. I don't have time to, to enjoy you because I have to cut the grass. Bullshit. Screw the grass. My God. Go do some. So my deathbed, I'm going to say, oh, my God, I have a beautiful lawn and a clean car. And I hope not. I hope not. I don't think so. I think I'm going to be wound. I'm going to be wound. I'm a webbit. 
I'm a webbit. I'm a webbit. I would think I might be that bad. Whoa, the webbit. What did you bad webbit you are? Whoa, you woody webbit. I would think that I want to be around, you know, the, my loved ones. I want to be around the people I want to say goodbye to. But I'm really not going to say goodbye, at least the way I believe it. But at least I want to say goodbye. You know, see you later. It's okay. You know, dress me nice. Have a great, you know, party around me. I have a party when I die. I'm not going to be there. I think you should have your wake while you're alive. That way you get to say goodbye. Then you die. If you can do that. You can't always do that. So the things that are important, then you realize, you know, you just realize when, you know, when someone's gone, that love, you know, that you have, have, it's not had, you have. And, and there's nothing more empty than when you come across your loved ones like clothing, you know, for the first time. I remember the first time I, you know, I saw my father's shirt and I put on one of my father's shirts and I realized it's a shirt. It's a very special shirt. And I could smell it, and I could feel it, and it brought back some memories. But you know what? It wasn't him. It wasn't him. Music, music brings a lot of that back. So it's okay to cry. It's okay. It's okay to have that dull pain. It's a celebration. It is. It's a hell of a lot better than cutting the grass, I think. Oh, man. Jungle Jim, do you cut the grass, Jungle Jim? You mow, you mow the lawn on a regular basis? I, you know, I got to check out your grass. Do you mow the lawn on a regular basis? You fertilize the lawn? You do all that? Water it? Do you water your lawn in the summer? My God. Where do you get time? How do you get time to water and cut your grass and compose music like you compose it? I mean, man, I'm going to make a note, no pun intended. But, uh, yeah, all the things, you know, that we rush around, I don't know. This just me. I'm just kind of mentally dumping it out because it feels good. You know, this is like a... To me, this is like a, you know, an emotional mental enema today, you know. Is it really important when people, you know, are ticking you off at work about stupid stuff to make things? Not really. You know, who really? You know, if it's not life and death and it's, you know, you know, people saying, oh, you know, I, I think we should do this or I want to have this type of activity or support that my party. You know what? Go ahead. Who really gives a hang? Because at the end of the day, the lesson that we get from death the lesson that we get from death is the, is the first great moment when we're given life. But it seems like we really, in, in most cases, but the, the blessed ones don't, the real blessed ones don't. It seems like in death is when we, when we see death or we get close to it or we think it's around, then we appreciate life. Death makes us appreciate life. Isn't that ironic? Not until you face death or experience it or, or with a loved one say, ooh, I'm alive. Thank God I'm alive. Huh. Death helps us to appreciate life. Isn't that amazing? Huh. Maybe it's just me. Maybe that's you, Jungle Jim. I can hear you. I can hear you, Jungle Jim. I got the hint. He's cranking the tunes. This is Tim Marr. This is Failing Up. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.